Podcast One. Sebastian Terry is on a mission to tick 100 things off a list he wrote the day after he lost his best friend. Little did he know that that list would change everything, not the least of which was creating a global movement. It's a ridiculously inspiring episode 505 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I say, welcome to a small business marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Tim And welcome back to your weekly dose of momentous marketing. I'm your host, Timbo Reed, you, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that is exactly why this podcast exists. But if it's not enough for you and you want a little bit more, then you can grab a copy of my popular marketing book called The Boomerang Effect that will show you how and why to embrace the concept of helpful marketing. You can grab a copy over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Big episode today. We meet an incredible fellow who accidentally created a business that's meant he's never had to work a day in his life. This week's Monster Prize Draw winner says he's got a great face for radio and the vocab of a grade schooler, yet has embraced video marketing for some incredible results. And he's from a business that you think video marketing wouldn't even work. More on that later. And I let you in on next week's guest, who lost a lazy $400,000 in his first business venture, which he puts down to a very expensive MBA. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. And by right in, I mean right in. A big thank you to my mate, Luke Harvey Palmer, for introducing me to today's guest, Sebastian Terry, who was inspired by the death of his close mate to ask himself one simple question. Am I happy? Simple question, huh? The answer was no for Sebastian. So what did he do? He created a list of 100 things that he hoped would help him find happiness. 10 years on, Sebastian could never have imagined the impact that list has had on himself and hundreds of thousands of others who have bought in to the movement called 100 Things that Sebastian's created. Amazingly, though, it wasn't until he ticked off 72 things that Sebastian's life truly changed for the better. This starter of a global movement is now the star of his own TV show, a published author, a sought-after keynote speaker, and although he deny it, an absolute saver of lives. I know you're going to love this chat as we explore how 100 Things became a global movement, how Sebastian's commercialised it, and the role marketing has played in building this fantastic brand. Here's Sebastian describing his life prior to his best friend dying. Well, I I guess I was just sort of following that that blueprint of living, you know, that everyone's 
told to, to, to go through. And, I, you know, I'd finished school at Baron Joey on the northern beaches of Sydney at Avalon and I didn't know what to do. My career advisor said, get a degree. So I did. I got a degree in something. It happened to be human movement. I've got the degree. No idea what it means. And I remember graduation just being really underwhelmed and, and just as lost, you know, three and a half years later um, after starting the degree uh, as I was at the beginning. But only I was in debt and I'd lost three and a half years of my life and I, and I didn't know quite what to do. So I went backpacking around the world. And I was just traveling really, as most people do, either just before or just after uni. And yeah, I, I was just kind of, I don't know, I was floating. I had no real purpose, no real direction. I didn't feel a particular calling anywhere or I wasn't drawn to anything. I, I remember helping a friend start a business in Canada, which was an inflatable movie screen business. And then somehow I ended up doing that with him again back in Sydney. And I, I was just trying to figure out the, the world, but I wasn't I was, I was very sheltered as well. So to try and answer your question, before everything sort of changed for me, I was just getting blown along by the breeze, uh, kind of just following that, that blueprint. As a 24-year-old male from Manly, probably would be, just living, living life. But then Chris passed away, your friend Chris passed away. It's sort of an obvious question, but what, what did his de- why did his death have such a profound impact on you? Well, I, you know, I think death always does um, for, for anyone close to those who, who do sort of passed over. Um, for me, I remember thinking he was 24 at the time, I was 25. And I asked all those questions that we do, you know, why am I here? What am I doing? Whatever it is I am doing, am I, am I doing it well? And, and I just became re- really confused over all of that. And then I remember thinking if he had another 24 years at life, a second chance, could he, you know, would he do it all again as he did or would he start changing things? You know, would he live differently if given another chance? And I never obviously got the opportunity to ask him, but I don't think he would have changed anything. He loved the beaches. He loved his mates. He loved his family. He loved team sport, loved having a beer, loved all those things. And, you know, rightly or wrongly by anyone else's code, I, I remember thinking very clearly or coming to the conclusion that I don't think he would have changed a thing. How amazing you know, to say, to be able to say that on your, on your last day type thing. And then I turned that question on myself and I just thought, well, if today was my last, looking back at everything I'd done, would I be able to do, you know, say the same thing or would I want to change everything? And it was the first time I ever kind of looked at my life from that perspective and I realised almost instantly that I would change most things. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my values were, what I, you know, what really lit me up inside. I didn't know what I stood for. I was very much just drifting and I think probably, you know, underlying all of that, I was unhappy. And I thought, well, I, don't, I would regret this if I died today. So I decided to change things. And, and that decision required you or, or you, what you did is you wrote down a list of 100 things. Was that, how, how far after, how long after Chris's passing did you do that list of 100 things that you thought would make you happy immediately? Yeah, I started writing immediately. I, I like to, to process through things and I, when, I'm, when I struggle, I write. That for me, that's like a, you know, very cathartic way of doing stuff. And I remember sort of, you know, I was just doodling and writing and nothing, nothing really made sense. And, and I remember just thinking, well, what, you know, Really, without trying to sound dramatic, like if, if we're all going to die, what do we want to do in life? And I, and I think probably, probably, I don't know, but I would suggest that everyone just wants to feel good. And I didn't feel good. And so I just thought, well, how, how do I feel good? What, what is that? What's the embodiment of feeling good? It's smiling. Therefore, how do I smile more? Well, I'll do things that, you know, make me, make me, light me up inside. You give me some form of excitement when I think about it or all those things, right? And so, uh, yeah, I, I just sort of went for it straight away and I started writing down a list. didn't happen immediately, but over a few weeks or even months, this list started getting longer and longer and longer and pushed towards 100 things. 
Take us through the list. Obviously not 100 things, but like what, what's, what are you, five or 10 things on that list? Oh, well, I mean, so on my list, there was live on a deserted island for a week by myself, do stand-up comedy, deliver a stranger's baby, uh, pose nude for an art class, live with a Maasai tribe, um, walk across a country, uh, be silent for seven days and try and live normally. I mean, it's kind of weird and quirky and abstract, but, you know, equally, I think, um, you know, we all have lists. It's a very, you know, relative concept. So some of mine were just weird and wacky and others were kind of more meaningful. And On your website, you have your list there and you have crossed out those things that you've achieved. I just want to ask you questions about uh, five of them. Betting $1,000 on black and roulette, did you win? No, no, it was red. <laughs> That was moments after marrying a stranger in Vegas, by the way. Uh, well, okay, marrying a stranger in Vegas. Uh, how did you meet this person uh, and what was that experience like? It was incredible. I actually have just started my own podcast and I interviewed her 11 years after. I've not spoken to her for 11 years since the marriage. How did I meet her? Interestingly, I met a stripper mud wrestling in a pool of mud in Vegas, proposed to her. She said yes. She stood me up at the wedding and so I was left stood up at the wedding and, and there were 20 strangers who just turned up to see what was happening. And I just made a plea basically to those people. And I said, is there anyone here who'd like to marry me? And there was someone and her name was Chevalli. So uh, we met there and we, we got married. And, and is Chevalli still your wonderful wife? No, no, not at all. It didn't work out, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't believe that. Tell us about visiting a death row inmate. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, that, that was very intense. I, I was, the reason it was on the list, because a lot of my list is to get out of my comfort zone, experience things, people I, you know, I hadn't before. And I, I just thought, wow, I wonder what, a, you know, talking to someone on jail uh, would be like in the most extreme form being death row. So I Googled death row pen pal and I was met with a database of thousands of people who wanted to chat. And I, I wrote a handwritten letter to one of them who, for whatever reason, seemed um, interesting, I guess. And we, we conversed, handwritten letters for 12 months, and then he invited me in. So I went and met this guy called James or J-Lock, and he was in McAllister Penitentiary in Oklahoma. And, yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, driving up to this place. It was just a big fortress, barbed wire everywhere. And I went into the reception. I had to give away all my wallets and phones and take my belt off, et cetera. And, yeah, I just went three levels underground. And as I got deeper into this Fortress doors were shut behind me, and I ended up chatting to this guy through on a telephone in a very clean, like a movie scene, right? Through a, a glass window, reinforced glass window, for five and a half hours, and we discussed everything from what he had done to what I was doing, and yeah, it was that was bizarre. Wow, three stories underground alone—that that's where he's living. It's where he's living, twenty-three hours a day, and then the the hour he gets, it's uh, it's into a room which is still three levels below the ground, but it's got no roof. There's a it's like a skylight, three levels above, and uh, he said if he's lucky, on some days the sun will cross the top of the skylight, so we can see the sun. Wow, you broke a Guinness World Record. What was it? The most amount of eggs crushed with the big toes in thirty seconds. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do love a niche on this show, so that's the most specific Guinness World Record I think I've ever heard broken. Yeah, yeah. I, it was it was 23. I smashed it and got 24, and now the record is 46, I just found out, so I'm devastated. I, I think that's hilarious. I actually think that as a marketing strategy for a business to get attention, it's actually very clever, and I've had a guest on the show, one of the franchisees from Chick-fil-A in, in the States, um, has broken two world records. One was the, um, the world's largest iced tea, um, just quickly, Seb, how do you actually go about uh, the process of registering to break a Guinness World Record? 
Well, I think it's become a lot more streamlined now, but back then you have to apply. So you write in, you give your intentions, what type of event you're doing. It's almost like applying, you know, talking to a girl that you're interested in to their father. You have to put on the best presentation and then if they accept you, they they give you a date. And uh, or actually you can you can dictate the date, but then you have the choice of having a Guinness World Record adjudicator come along, which I think cost £3,000, which was, which was 3000 more than I had back then. And uh, so I didn't have that. And so I just then had to document it and send it in and have witnesses. But I think it's easier than that now. But you're right. I mean, I, 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 you know, speaking at a lot of events and stuff and fundraising as well, that having a Guinness World Record attempt is certainly a draw card. Absolutely. Uh, I'd love to see more of my listeners do it. I've got three more, uh, Seb. Um, saying yes for a week fascinates me. Did you literally say yes to everything for one week? Yeah, I did. Um, that was interesting because I ended up doing very bizarre things and people started cottoning onto it. And unfortunately, my mates, and uh, as you'd expect, I ended up, <laughs> well, I was living in <laughs> Sydney back then and someone said, oh, mate, would you like a, uh, would you like a warm beer? Actually, would you like to, you know, warm that one up on the, on the stove and all that sort of stuff? So I got stitched <laughs> up a little bit. Um, it was great. It was really fun, fun and, and interesting in the sense of like relinquishing control. Um, but equally, what I found fascinating is, is how different people reacted to it. Some were comforting and nice and others took advantage of it. I ended up having to give money to someone and because they knew that I had to say it. So it was, it was a really interesting little time, yeah. Skydiving naked, where do you tuck it? All I'll say, it was cold, uh, if you ever see the footage. And uh, I, the hard thing wasn't skydiving naked. It was finding someone, because I had to get strapped to someone. So I, I sort of didn't think about that when I put this down on my list. So the hard thing was finding someone willing to have me strapped to them naked. Um, and I had to go to France for that. Uh, it was, it, yeah, it was great. I mean, yeah, very liberating. They're so romantic, the French. Oh, aren't they? He was clothed, I should say. <laughs> and it was a gun in his pocket. <laughs> uh, the last one, getting shot. Yeah. Um, so I don't really talk about this one so much. Basically, I, you know, I'm in the habit of just trying to face these fears, little or big. And I was hitchhiking across America, which was another item on my list. And in every car was a gun. And I picked up a gun on one occasion. It wasn't loaded and I looked at it down the barrel and I thought, oh my God, I, I was sort of struck with fear in a way. And I thought, how could I face that? And I thought, well, I, I suppose I could get shot. So I Googled bulletproof clothing companies and the first one that popped up was, uh, he was called Miguel Caballero and he's based out of Colombia. And uh, I emailed them, I emailed him and I said, mate, would, uh, I go, Miguel, would you, is there any chance you'd shoot me? And he got back to me the next day and said, yeah, absolutely, I'd love to. So I flew to Bogota, Colombia. He had two guys pick me up, got taken out to his factory, and he shot me whilst wearing one of his jackets. I've seen the video and it's extraordinary. And it happened very quickly. Uh, I think he was on, on, on the, onto the fact that you were ready to go and the longer you sort of waited, the less likely you were going to go through with it. So it's pretty fascinating. What, what I'm interested, Seb, uh, and thank you for sharing insights into just that, those few things on your list. All that is about stepping out of your comfort zone. W- prior to this whole journey starting, were you the kind of guy to take risks? And even if you weren't now, what do you say to people listening? There's just thousands of business owners listening to this who don't step out of their comfort zone. Don't let the magic happen. Well, as you say, that that is, you know, where the magic happens. Uh, so beforehand, no, I used to always um, play safe. I used to have you know, a lot of self-doubt and, the, and the, the critical, the inner critic. And if friends said you can't do that, I'd believe them. So I wouldn't try. And I was, as I said, I was very sheltered. And, you know, anytime I tried something and I, and I was struck with fear or nerves or apprehension or my, you know, my 
palms got clammy or my, my heartbeat rose, I would just not do it. I'd take it as a sign to stop and just avoid it. And, you know, I, I, I guess embarking on this list, I thought, you know, to hell with this, I've got to, I've got to try, I've got to try. And so anytime I was met with those same sensations, I would try and go, okay, this is an opportunity. I'm going to step into this. And, and I would. And what I've found, and I think it does apply to everyone, is that our default is that we, we, we underestimate ourselves. You know, I think we are so capable as individuals to do anything and everything, business-wise, personally, et cetera, but we stop ourselves. And then, you know, I remember as a kid, this is, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of guys will resonate with this, but like, you'll see a pretty girl on the dance floor and you'll be like, oh, I want to go talk to her. And you don't, and you kick yourself and all you have to do is try, who cares? And, and I very much take on that approach now and it's taken a while um, to, to get there, but yeah, we, we're so capable and all you have to do is try. So Seb, tell me then about once you have stepped out of your comfort zone and ticked something on your list, achieved something, is it true that you can look back and it doesn't seem as big as it did prior to doing it? Certainly, yeah, I feel that way. I, I, if you imagine a triangle, right, this is how I, I, if I was to do a workshop, I'd explain like this, but I think it works pretty well. Top of the triangle is belief. Then, like the, you know, you go down towards the right, and it's uh, action. And then, if you go towards the left, as you track across, it's then result. And I think your belief, of course, influences how you act, and how you act will influence your result. But it doesn't stop there. I think your result will then reinforce your belief. And so, to your point, I think if you, even if you're not convinced, you can do something. If you try, if your action is positive, your result will be slightly more positive. And then you'll suddenly go, huh. The world isn't as bad. I am more capable than I thought as you look back at the thing you just did. And I think you then end up building a habit. So yeah, absolutely. I think even if you are struck with fear, you just have to act differently on one occasion. And that is the first step to, to kind of unwinding those negative beliefs. Let's just wind back a bit now. You've got this list, Seb. You've started to tick things off. What did you do with the list once you'd created it? Did you publish it? Did you tell others? Did you just put it in the bottom drawer? Yeah, this was never meant to be anything. And, and and funnily enough, I did put it back in the drawer. I created this thing in Ca- this list in Canada immediately as my, you know, the, the night my friend passed. And on there was, you know, I'm guessing, but maybe 10 things, one of which was to marry a stranger in Vegas, flew to Vegas, did that in two days, flew back to Australia. So I got back to Australia. I, and by the way, when I married this stranger, forgetting the materialistic elements of it, I felt invincible. I felt in control of my life. My life. I felt empowered and I was smiling. And I thought, if this is just one item, why, why? Because of because of the action that you took, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because of the action, but because for the first time in my life, I gave myself permission to just progress towards something that was important to me. I didn't listen to societal trends or generational this, that, or the other. I didn't do anything. I didn't previously up until that point. I'd done everything because I was told to. This is the first time I gave myself, as I said, permission to do something for myself. And again, it forget that it's Vegas. Conceptually, I just did something for myself and I felt amazing. And I thought, that's it. I'm going to keep on going. Why would I stop? So I got back to Sydney, but of course I did stop because I conformed. I, you know, eventually got convinced, you know, you, how old was I then? 25. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to go earn money. You've got to start a business or work for someone. So I started this events company with a mate and I forgot about my list. It went into a drawer for years, a couple of years. And I got to this point with a business where even if we were making a million dollars, I just didn't, and we weren't, by the way, we were making no money. But even if we had have made a million dollars, I just thought, I, I, this isn't the thing for me. I don't care about this. And I actually broke down one night and I, you know, I was full of tears and all that sort of stuff. And I had no idea why. And the next morning, I woke up and I went to the drawer and I, I opened my drawer and in there was this list. I pulled it back out. And it had been two years pretty much since I've done anything to it. 
And I looked at it and I, that, I ran down, I was living in Manly. So I ran down to Humphreys News Agency, got a, 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 um, a world map, put it up on the wall, got a hundred tags, put the hundred tags all over the map, looked at it. And I remember that day I was working on my laptop, trying to work on my laptop on this events company, this inflatable movie business. Uh, and, but I, I just kept looking up at this map. And I remember thinking, if I just reallocate all this energy, all my focus that I'm putting into the business and I just like put it towards my map, my, my 100 things, I'm going to be happy. And I, I, it was just for me, it was just that was the moment that I, my, I guess my life changed. I rang up my best mate, it was my business partner, and I said, look, Dave, as soon as we pay off the business, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to do this list of 100 things. And that was it. So, yeah, it, in fact, you know, the, when I tell a story on stage, it's very, I created a list, I went out and did all these things, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what happened. There's a little bit, which is created a list, forgot about the list. I had to basically become unhappy, quite unhappy for me to then realize, shit, I need to get that list back out, you know. Have you ever, um, have you heard of Paddy Lund, the dentist out of Brisbane? No, no. Have you ever come across him? Uh, he's, he's, it's a very, he's a past guest. He was on this show about six years ago, but Paddy, uh, like many dentists, and I've told this story recently on a previous episode, so I'll make it quick, but um, it's interesting like many dentists, they kind of sometimes become suicidal for, for whatever reason. And Paddy got to that point, asked himself, what's going to make me happy? Uh, made massive changes to his practice uh, from literally sacking 75% of his clients, getting a private number, all this stuff, and uh, his whole life turned around. So it's quite interesting, um, the psychology behind what you've done. What point then, um, Seb, did you put your list out to the world? Because that must have been a first point where things started to happen. Maybe people were coming out of the woodwork and... Yeah. I I found that it was just like a really interesting... I didn't, you know, st- I, I, I actually, I love writing and I used to, I'd been backpacking beforehand and I used to send, write stories about backpacking and it was just a pain to send all the emails. So I thought, oh, I'll just start like a, a blog for my friends and family. And then that caught on. And what was interesting, as soon as it became known, someone got in touch with me well, as soon as I released it, actually, I hadn't even left Australia. Channel 7 wanted to do an interview with me, the Sunrise Show. And I just thought, this is off the blog. That was it. I'd only done like a few things. And I went on there and they were just so intrigued by the idea of someone dropping everything to be happy. And, uh, and I, I, yeah, I don't know. And that, that was it. It sort of took off in a way from that. And as I found, you know, this is, of course, no longer a story just about me and the things that are on my list. This has turned into a, you know, a big global community. And it's because I think, we all want to be happy and everyone sees their, their own story in my story. I'm no different. I'm, I'm not special. In fact, I am special, but so is everyone. We're all special. And uh, I just kind of started doing stuff and I began getting these emails from people saying, hey, saw what you were doing, read what you were doing, saw on a news clip what you were doing. Um, I, if you can do it, why can't I? So I would reply to everyone and I still do to this day. And I say, of course, you're right. So the site became, of course, an online community and like I said, now it's this beautiful like space for like-minded people to get together, to share their goals, to encourage each other to do things together. And now it's parlayed again into a lot of kindness. And by kindness, I, I guess the idea is that people are now helping each other in addition to their own less, but helping others achieve their own things. And the world's a wonderful place. People are good. I keep saying that every day. I want to talk to you about how you have, and it might sound like a dirty word, but how you have commercialized this movement. But first, what I understand is things didn't get serious until you ticked off 72 things, which sounds quite a lot. And you got a message from a stranger by the name of Mark. What did he want? Oh, yeah. And what did he teach you? Well, Mark had seen me on another, I can't remember what show it was, but maybe The Circle on Channel 10, if you can cast your mind back to that. Um, I think it was that. And he said... uh, he told me his backstory, which was he was able-bodied until he was 32, 
went backpacking to Europe, got bitten by a tick and contracted Lyme disease. And so from Lyme disease, became a quadriplegic with, with no ability to speak or move. Absolutely tragic. And he asked me if I could go to Melbourne and he had, he'd actually created a list of 150 things. And he said, can you come and help me shave my head? It's number one on my list. And I thought, absolutely. So I thought, what a weird request, but I love it. So I went down and I shaved Mark's head. Incidentally, I had just ridden a 100cc scooter across Australia with a friend, which was again on my list. So it also just worked out, this flow. So I'm with Mark, I'm shaving his head. And I remember looking, I mean, this is a really interesting thing. I remember looking at Mark, who was in a wheelchair without the ability to speak, et cetera, as I said, and you would feel sorry for him perhaps if you didn't know the story. But as I was shaving his head, looking into his eyes, he looked like the most successful person on the planet. He, and, and I recognized it because that's how I felt when I'd married this stranger in Vegas, which was, you know, even more silly. And it, it just turns out that anyone on the planet can, you know, give yourself permission to chase a goal. We're all the same and you feel invincible. And, and I said, what else can I do for you? And the story goes that his carer said he wanted to complete a half marathon. And I, I said, you know, how, how can I help you? And he asked me to push him. And so that's, that's what I did. I ended up pushing Mark in, a, in the Melbourne half marathon and uh, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. And what was so amazing about it was, of course, Mark got to do it. I felt incredible because I'd helped someone for the first time because up until that point, I'd been entirely self-indulgent. Uh, and suddenly I found myself in this place where I was of service and, I, and I, it was you know, intoxicating. But the, I, I guess the most profound thing about that is I started the race, it was just me and a couple of other people. And by the end of the race, there was about 15, 20 people helping to push Mark. And what I saw then for not the first time, but what I realized, I suppose, is that we're here to connect. If we're in an ecosystem of people which, who are all out there, you know, achieving and pursuing their goals, we very naturally, you know, connect with each other and help each other do things. And looking back at my list, I can pretty much say that I was helped on every occasion by someone in a small or a large way. And thankfully, I've gone on to do the same for, for lots of people too. So yeah, that was when I met Mark and it, it was it changed the trajectory of my entire journey. It's an awesome video too. Again, a lot of this stuff, uh, listeners, is on Seb's website at 100things.com. Seb, um, just talking to you and reading your stuff, the big epiphany was to be in service to others, to be helpful, which, you know... <laughs> It sort of seems obvious, doesn't it? But so often we get stuck in our own self-talk, in our own heads, in our own often selfishness. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, I, I think so. I, and what I keep seeing, you know, and I hear from a lot of people, whether it's after a talk or, uh, you know, via email or, you know, social media, um, I, it seems to me observationally that people are either one or the other, that are either selfish or selfless. And alone, exclusively, neither is healthy. And I think you have to be both. So, which is why I think it's so important that everyone creates a list of things that are going to make them feel good. The, the analogy I talk about a lot is putting your oxygen mask on first before helping others. You know, they say it on every plane, not that there's many plane rides at the moment, but um, yeah, you've got to look after yourself. And I think by doing so, you find yourself in a position to be of service to others. And, and to, to your point, I completely agree. Um, it's so simple. And I sometimes look at, you know, the position I'm in and it, it's sort of very privileged in a way and I'm very fortunate. And, you know, I, I do, I get to travel the world and speak about this to people and organizations. And, you know, there's, as I said, a book and TV shows and, and it all sounds wonderful, but if you boil it down, if, if an alien came down from a, from another planet and said, well, what's that, why is that guy being celebrated? And someone said, oh, he's, uh, he's doing things that are making him happy. What do you mean? Is that why is that not normal? <laughs> so you know, but it's not. And I, I, I really even I enjoy the position I'm in now, which is, uh, yeah, allowing people in some way to to pursue meaningful and relevant goals for themselves, and by doing so, actually match making strangers to engage in acts of kindness.
this might be an unfair question and I don't necessarily, you're excused if you can't answer it, but again, there are many business owners listening. Many are older than you. You're how old are you? Thir- thir- I'm 38. I'm 39 in, in a okay. week, I think. Okay, you're getting up there. But but all this started, <laughs> I shouldn't say, that was very rude, you're getting up there. You're old, Seb. Love it. Love it. <laughs> um, you know, you started this when you had no commitments and you found the reason why you're here relatively early in your life. <clears throat> and now you've been able to commercialise that, which we're going to talk about shortly, and everything's awesome. What do you say to those business owners listening who go, who are just sort of saying to themselves, uh, I can't do any of this, the boat's left the shore, I'm stuck doing what I'm doing? Well, I think if you're if you're willing to just settle, I mean, you're right. You know, I, I think if you truly are working on purpose towards something which very much resonates with your fundamental values as a human, and yes, of course, with business, but with everything, personal pursuits, family pursuits, whatever you're doing in the community, if it really resonates with your true values, you won't feel like that. Uh, and you certainly shouldn't. I mean, yes, we all feel resistance and we all have these barriers, be it money or, you know, commitments or fear of failure, fear of success, getting out of our comfort zones. But, you know, I can only speak from my experience, but all those barriers can be reduced with positive action. And so if you're not out there, you know, trying your best towards things that really mean stuff to you, you're not giving yourself the best chance. So, you know, I'd almost say it's, you know, of course it's ridiculous to think that, you know, everyone just goes ahead without any resistance. Of course it's there, but yeah, if you're, if you're working towards things that really resonate with your true, true fundamental values, you won't run out of motivation and you will find that second, third, fourth, fifth gear when needed, I think. I want to talk about commercialising 100 things. How did you make your first dollar from it? Um, well, I mean, it's funny that word commercialization. I mean, I've never, I've never thought about it. Um, I, you know, I'm not. Well, let's just, just, just talk about that because I, I actually in my, in my notes, I have the words monetizing the idea. I, I used commercializing because I can understand. I mean, A, you probably doesn't feel like it. B, you know, this is an idea that resulted from the death of a friend. It feels a bit yucky to commercial, but, but the, the reality is, why, why do you struggle well, with it? Well, I, I, it's, it's not why I do it. It's not why I ever did it. It's not why I do it. Um, but to, to, to answer it very bluntly, I ran out of $9,000. I had $9,000 when I started almost 11 years ago. I ran out of that after five months and things just started happening. Um, I was staying on friends' floors. Strangers would reach out. Hey, we heard about you can come, you know, live on the whatever, our couch, we can feed you. And I just went along with that. People were good. People helped me the whole way. And then... Uh, just, I was maxing my credit card out. I had debt. And then I got asked to write a book. Random House reached out out of the blue. And I thought, wow, that's incredible. And then they paid me, which I, you know, I, I would have done it for free. That covered my debt. And then I started getting asked to speak um, probably two years into this. And I didn't even know, I didn't know what speaking was. I didn't know it was a thing you could do. And now I'm <laughs> speaking lots, but I, yeah, that's kind of how it worked. And, and other than that, I'm not monetizing it. It's just, um, it's just worked out, you know, as it is. With that said, um, I've, I've recently got to this point where, so I'm regularly approached by people who are A, in need of support or help. And, and by that, I, I, I mean emotionally, usually. I get a lot of people reaching out who are uh, considering self-harm and taking their own life, et cetera. So I feel an absolute, although I don't have commitments to family or anything else, I do have those commitments. I couldn't walk away from that. With that in mind, I think this has the potential to impact millions and millions and millions of people. And um, I, I've, I've not really known how to do that. I don't, I'm not sort of, my default isn't business. And I've wanted to bring on someone for a while. It's been in my mind to bring someone on who can really help me sort of create a bit of structure so this can scale and help people. 
And because I can live very comfortably as I am for the rest of my life, it's great. And, you know, I get enough talks to, you know, eat and continue doing what I need to do. It's fine. But um, yeah, no, so I've recently serendipitously um, become very close friends with a, uh, I was a best man at a wedding late last year. There was two, three best men and one of the other best men, his name was Todd, incredible guy, shared all my values. We got on like a house on fire and he's got a lot of business acumen and he fills in all the gaps for me. So we've been working together, ironic, well, not ironically, just incidentally through Corona, through isolation exclusively. I've never worked so hard in my life. And so we're just actually kind of coming very close to having a, a really, really strong product, a bunch of products to actually help because, you know, what usually happens, people come and come to the website previously and they're like, right, how can we get involved? What can we do? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, that's my story. If it helps you, great. If, you know, yeah. but now there's, you know, obviously with, you know, I probably do about 60 keynotes a year to, to different organizations around the world. I've done that for about 60 years, that's 60, six years. But uh, at the end of that, there's still nothing to go to. Uh, but now there is. So yeah, we're, it, in terms of monetizing it, not that that's the purpose for it, but there's a lot of structure and a lot of touch points for people, whether they're individuals or organizations. It, it, it sounds like you are going to move the business with the help of Todd from a business that relies 100% on you showing up every time to something that is scalable uh, and then you can amplify one to many. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I'm, again, fortunate with the media attention and stuff, which sort of comes just organically again. But yeah, I, I, I'm, you'll be hearing a lot more from 100 things, basically. Um, you know, and I'm really excited about that. Well, that's awesome. Um, I'm glad to be able to give it exposure. The media attention is interesting because, again, it's a great – um, p- marketing PR strategy, you have a walk-up start because 100 things is infinitely newsworthy. Um, but there must be a point where the media goes, oh, well, that's just Seb ticking another thing off his list. Is Do you have a strategy, dare I ask, or is Todd working on a strategy that allows you to create ongoing newsworthy things that do get you publicity? Uh, no, it's, it's yeah, it's never... Uh, so no, there's never been a strategy and, and, and there isn't one to get attention. Uh, I, I understand that a lot of stuff is reverse engineered nowadays so that, you know, you, how do I get attention? I don't care. I literally don't care. But I mean, I've got to say like I, Todd as well, we, we're both heart led. Uh, Todd's smarter than I am, which is great, but we're both fundamentally heart led. And, um, you know, we're doing a lot of, so in isolation, as an example, there's a lot of people who are by themselves, um, who are celebrating birthdays by themselves. And so Todd had this idea, why don't we start doing these virtual surprise birthday parties? So we started doing them and the response was amazing. And about two weeks ago, we celebrated the uh, Louise. It was her 99th birthday. And her son contacted us and said, can we organize? We have 99 people. And, and we said, we'll try. And we got 99 people. And so just like the media attention, that sort of gets it. There's just everything we're doing is, is nice and positive and there's no hidden agenda. Um, it's not because we think, oh, if we get X amount of people, we can then sell them a product. I mean, we don't have product. We, we will do, but that's never the reason. We're just doing stuff because it's good. And, you know, I, as I said, I get emails from people who are close to pulling the pin on their life, emails from people who want to start a list, they have the ambition, but they don't know how to, you know, create a structure towards getting there. And, and thankfully, I, you know, we can help on all those things. And if we can't, our community can. So yeah, there's no, there, there has not been a strategy around media and, and I'm so thankful for any, you know, even this, this is great. And not, I don't say even this, I mean, including this, yeah, you I know, it. it's so lovely that you would, you say, Hey, we'd like to interview you. Why, why did you want to in- interview me? 
Uh, first of all, uh, Luke Harvey Palmer, who introduced us, I, I trust his opinion. He said, mate, and he knows my show very well. Uh, he suggested you, so that was immediate, like, okay, for sure. I looked at what you did. Um, it's infinitely newsworthy and interesting. And for me, because this, at the end of the day, is called the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, you are a small business, and I actually think you're doing some really big marketing, whether you know it or not, and you have commercialised something that that could have easily just have been something that you were doing to fill in time. But you're actually, you have commercialised it, whether you know it or not, and you're about to. So there's a whole lot of reasons, mate, and 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 you're a good bloke. <laughs> well, that's nice of you. You know, I'm forever, you know, grateful to anyone who wants to be a part of this, whether it's giving it attention or, or being a part of it. In fact, I, I shared with you before, I had a, as a favour, I was going to do a, a virtual keynote this morning for someone and I didn't put it in my calendar and I overlooked it and, I, and he had 100 people online waiting for me. It's never happened in my life, of, you know, career, let's say. Anyway, it's all good because it was a favour, but we're going to do it tomorrow morning. But just because this is very real, I called him afterwards and I apologised, etc. And he said, well, I actually created a list. I want to share it with you. And so one of them, an immense list, he had 100 things on there. And uh, one of them was to write a poem and share it publicly. And I, and I said, mate, what, why don't you do that tomorrow morning? At, you know, when we do this talk, and this is going to be in about, I don't know, 12, 18 hours or something from now. And uh, he, uh, he called me back three hours later and just read out a poem to me and Todd. And that to me is, that, that's why this is real because it's not about a keynote or trying to get, you know, like, yes, of course, there's so much benefit to having a positive message and, you know, talk of community building and values and identifying goals and all those, overcoming adversity in times of isolation. That's really important, but people are just doing things that make them smile. And for him, it was on this occasion, writing a poem and saying it. I am going to, what's the phrase here? Put a rocket under you and suggest that how dare you not commercialize this to as much as it can be, not in order for you to become a millionaire. You may well, but because if you don't, you're going to be stopping a whole lot of people from living on purpose, from finding why they're here. You know, it's it's kind of like you take that mindset and it sounds like Todd's onto it anyway, but that puts a fire up, yeah? No, I really, I really appreciate you see that and I, I'm starting to see it too. Yeah, absolutely. It would be such a shame if this was as big as it ever got. And, you know, like I said, it's great. I can go surfing every day, but that's not what this world's about. It's about, you know, doing what you can for yourself. And, you know, again, it sounds cliche. I'm not saying it to try and make a point, but it is about trying to affect as much positivity as possible. And, uh, yeah, this has got – a lot of people look at this and they're like, wow, tell us about your story. How incredible. And I just see it. I'm 2% into this. This will, I honestly believe, change the world. And, uh, you know, we're right in that catalyst of doing that right now. I, I agree. Um, I want to keep talking about the commercialization. Have you had two documentaries um, produced about this journey that have appeared on Discovery Channel and ESPN. Did they just come out of the blue or was one of them produced by yourself in order to get... No, it's all out of the blue. I Yeah, Discovery just, I got an email for... Well, this is funny. I was actually, I just lived with a Maasai tribe, which was on my list. Uh, and I was in Nairobi. This is about eight years ago. And I had two emails. One was from... Uh, one was from Discovery Channel saying, hey, we just heard about you. Would you like to make a, a documentary? And I, you should just see my face. I was like, what on earth? The second one was from a girl saying, I'm your half-sister. And that's another story for another time. But anyway, life's colourful. Um, so that was that. So I just did it. Why not? Same as the book. Um, and then, yeah, ESPN, again, one of the producers, Michael O'Connor, reached out and he said, hey, you're not sports specific, but we'd love to share your documentary. Can we?" So they flew to Sydney when I was living back there and 
film, this documentary. They just re-aired it again a couple of weeks ago. It's been seen 40 million times and there's no money. There's no commercialization about it. It's just great. You know, people, people have emailed me since and it's, it's phenomenal. I, I, I did a talk in LA at one time and someone from a production company said, we would like to make a, a show about you. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I forgot about it. Flew back to Sydney, did the same event the next year. And he was there again. His name is Keith. And he said, what, what happened to you? We want to make a show. And I said, oh, I didn't realize you were serious. So we made a sh- So I have a reality <laughs> show. So all this stuff is, I'm not kidding. It just keeps coming in. So, you know, it excites me to think that, you know, with Toddy on my side and nice things happening with the right intention, uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot to be said. You're 26 episodes into a reality show. I, I'm imagining it's called 100 Things with Sebastian Terry or something. Um, explain the concept and, and where's it run? Yeah, well, so it's, yeah, it's called 100 Things. Uh, I was the host and the concept, would, I would help somebody each episode achieve something from their list. So, you know, from someone who had a fear of, uh, well, a war veteran, for example, who lost a leg, that always dreamed of skiing, lost his leg in war and then gave up on the idea. We thought, no, we can teach you. So we did. Um, and it's just stuff like that. And it wasn't dependent on me helping them necessarily. It was using the community. Um, it was aired on this thing called Go90. It was actually an online product, I suppose. And then Go90, which was a Verizon product, uh, a telco over here, got acquired by someone. So now the show doesn't exist anywhere. So, um, ah. but, but it was a fantastic, in terms of, you know, monetization, I, I did get paid for that. And it was surprising, you know, that, that amount. And it allowed me to keep on, you know, keeping on for a while. And um, yeah, it was brilliant. One of the most, one of the most incredible experiences ever. I was for six months flying around the world, helping people. I mean, I wouldn't change it for the world and it's a shame it's not on air. But with that said, I just got reached out to by another production company. I've just signed with them. Um, and we're looking to, to do another show, but a, a bit more real and authentic. The other one was a little pre-produced. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's, you know. Seb, you must be the type of fellow who has so many opportunities thrown at you. Uh, do you have a criteria or a filter that you use to determine what to say no to? Oh, I'm working on it. I do. Yeah, I, I, I do get, I'm again, very fortunate to have a lot of opportunities thrown my way. And, but, but it's not just opportunity. There, there's a lot of things asked of me or a lot of things thrown at me that sometimes it, it's so much that it's, uh, it's overwhelming and it slows me right down. And, you know, they, they say that that adage that if you throw 20 tennis balls up in the air, you'll catch none type thing. So that's definitely happened. Um, but again, I, having Toddy on board, looking to develop a strategy and actually identifying, right, where do I want to go? Where do we want to, where does this need to be for it to have huge impact? That's helping me make decisions. So I get a lot of people saying, you should meet blah, blah, blah. And I was on a Zoom call the other day with a, a European speaking bureau, as it was. And the guy said, do you want me to introduce, <laughs> no offense to this guy, but he said, do you want me to introduce you to uh, the world's number one Barack Obama uh, impressionist? And so normally I would say, yeah, absolutely. But for the first time, I honestly, I think it's the first time in 10 years, I said, why? Well, I mean, I appreciate it, but why? And he just said, oh, I thought you two would get on. And I said, look, I really appreciate it, but I don't, I don't need to speak to him. So I'm learning slowly uh, to say no. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, as they say, what you say yes, uh, what you say no to determines what you say yes to. Now, Seb, just to finish up, I want to talk content marketing with you, despite the fact that you probably think, well, I'm not a content marketer, but you are getting the word out via a number of means. You've got a podcast, you've got a new YouTube channel called Fireside Chats. So I'm just interested to know, beyond the free publicity that you're getting, how are you getting the word out there? Um, Let's talk about the podcast. Is that something that, because you're a few episodes in on that. 
Yeah, well, we're, we're three. We just released our third one the other day. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's just very real. It's, um, you know, I think a lot of people have probably started podcasts. I'm not sure where the world needs another one, but my God, it's fun. We, you know, we're interviewing the people. Can I just challenge you on that? Because uh, again, business owners listening, they go, oh, it's too late to podcast. It's too late to get a YouTube channel. I should have started blogging 10 years ago. My view on that every time is it's never too late. The creative challenge is just make sure what whatever you do is better than everyone else. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that's great advice. Um, I did it because I, I, I thought it would just, for us, I thought, wow, what a great product. It would be very unique. So the concept of the podcast is we're talking, we're basically telling the story behind the stories, but through the words and through the people who helped me along the way. So I just interviewed Shivali, the lady I married 11 years ago. Fascinating. We're on Saturday, we're going to interview the lady who helped me deliver her baby, a complete stranger. Um, we just interviewed uh, another Sebastian Terry on my list was to meet another Sebastian. So all these stories are kind of, you know, to, to be honest, they're just really fun. Todd's got a great sense of humor. I, I think I'm okay. And it's, it's been fun because there are, there are a lot of people out there as well who, um, and it's awesome. There's definitely room for it, but overly, I sound critical. I'm not meaning to be very spiritual and, you know, like it's just, it's so much and everyone's a guru and, you know, I, I, I we just, we just want to have fun. That's what this has always been. And it's gone into good places. So we're just having fun. It's, I think it's highly entertaining. And, and of course there's a lot of messages in there too. So that's one thing. And we just started it. You know, I, I we just started it the other week, just started releasing stuff and awesome. really fun. We'll keep going, mate, because I can tell you num- number six, episode six is the episode where you'll go, oh, I'm not sure this is working and many podcasters stop. Just keep pushing through. You've got the fireside chats on YouTube. You've got a green screen behind you in your LA mansion, I can see. Is that where you do it? (laughs) At the Venice Bungalow. Yeah. (laughs) um, The fireside chat, again, it's not about me. It's about bringing in an expert in a a hot area of bucket lists, to use that word. Um, so the first one the other day was uh, music. So we had a musician come in and not, it wasn't really interviewing, his name was EJ Warland, incredible musician. It wasn't about telling his story. It was more about him giving tips in an interactive live stream fireside for people to ask questions so that they could leave with the tools to, you know, take the first steps towards their music ambitions. So that's what it all is. The second one's adventure and exploration. And we've got a surfing one and we've got a script writing one and it's going to keep on. Yeah, it's just, we want it to be useful. I don't, otherwise, what's the point? So, you know, a useful and informative and, a, you know, educational, hopefully, but, you know, entertaining. So that's what all these things are. Um, we've got this goal getters activation. So, we, we, so for example, in isolation, there are a lot of people thinking you can't do things. You can't achieve things from your list, but of course you can. So we just had a, a, a virtual open mic night the other day where people from around the world came in and we had an open mic night. We had a guy who stayed up till 2 a.m. in Scotland to sing. He was awful, but it was brilliant. Uh, we had a girl. I mean, there people were in Brazil and Australia, in the U.S. And so, yeah, we're just creating opportunities for... Can you oh, explain how that works? I'm looking at it on your website. The, the open mic night, is it a, it's, it's a Zoom and Facebook call where you live stream and just come on and, and do something that's on your list, achieve, you know, sing a song or whatever? Yeah. Yes, whatever. It's, and, and it just boils down to action. You know, we, it can, I think some people try and overcomplicate it. You know, it, you don't have to. You, to. To do stuff in life, you just have to take action and we're just creating a platform. I, I love the idea of this, again, not being about me. It's about giving, a, showing an example for sure, but then creating an opportunity for people to be included. If you give people access to opportunity, that's where I think change happens. And we're having a lot of fun with it. And I, you know, there's a ton of stuff. I mean, for the years, people said, how do I start a list? It's never dawned on me to create an, a workshop. 
never dawned on me. And I do it for corporates. I, you know, I take them on list creation workshops, but I've never thought, oh, I should do something that's online and modulated so anyone in the world can have it. So we've just developed that. That'll be launching in about two weeks. So for the first time, I've got something to talk about, you know, as in, this is great. What can I do? Well, here's a workshop you could do if you like. So, you know, just stuff that's relevant. I wouldn't do it otherwise. I, yeah, I don't really care for that. I, I just want stuff that's real. Seb, do you have a team behind you? Uh, well, Toddy, for the last three months, has been brilliant. Um, and, and Who else? You, you- uh, well, Camilla is uh, one of my mates from university. His wife um, needed a job and I, I was getting quite busy, so she's my assistant. So there's the three of us. There's no team. There's nothing. I just actually was on a phone to a guy called Jesse in New York today who just reached out and said, I, I, I'm just hearing, hearing myself answer this question and laughing. Uh, and he said, hey, I'm a marketing guy. You know, Do you want some help? And I was like, yeah, okay. So we're having weekly calls with Jesse who's helping us out. So um, surprisingly for those you know entrepreneurs, business owners out there, and certainly you, Tim, you're probably going, this is ridiculous. But I'll tell you what, it's a hell of a lot better than where it was and we're getting better and better. I, I, it's very exciting. I love the fact that I've I've found you at this point in time, despite the fact that the business and I use air quotes is is years old. You're still just finding your feet, and I find that really inspiring. What's your greatest regret as of 2020, having been in this now for 10 years? My greatest regret? Oh gosh. Um. Well, I. Hmm. I, I, I honestly don't know if I have any, not to say I haven't made bad decisions, but I, I, I think they're kind of cool too. I think they help. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have any regrets. I mean, it would be great if it was already a, a beautiful thing and then it was all, I mean, it is, but if it was a big thing affecting millions around the world, it was turned into X, Y, and Z and all, you know, but it's, it's going there. I wouldn't change a thing. It, but, yeah. It's Z by the way. You, you might be in LA, but it's still Z. You're a manly boy. Okay. Did I say Z? You did. <laughs> Oh, God. Thank you for pulling me up. That's disgusting. Seb, you have 24 things left on your list of 100 things after 10 or so years. Uh, why and which one are you finding the most difficult to tick off? It's such a great question. So, again, Toddy and I have been talking about this for the last week. It's on our work. We have a, I have whiteboards all in my place now. Um, so, I've got 24 things left on my list. For the past, I mean, number of years, I've just been helping people and matchmaking acts of kindness. So, we, you know, we're looking for a kidney for someone at the moment who needs a kidney. Um, we, we just recently built a house, sorry, a tree house for a guy who lost his eldest son and wanted to create a, a, a memory for, of him with his remaining kids. And so, 20 strangers throughout the US went and helped build a tree house for a stranger. Um, and I've been concentrating on that and not my list. But the truth is that there's some kind of, uh, there's a story that I think we believe in our society that, you know, you kindness is something you, you know, you, you give to yourself and then you just give it elsewhere. And it's all about that, but it's constant balance. And to be honest, I think I've almost forgotten about my list for too long. So the remaining 24 items, as you say, on my list, I'm looking at with fresh eyes right now. And, you know, this is another deeper thing. I won't go into it, but I do believe that meaningful goals stem from an understanding of your values and values over time change. I'm different to how I was when I started this 11 years ago. So we're reevaluating the remaining 24 items to see which ones still excite me uh, and to see which ones can change. And we've actually got a whiteboard almost see in the background that's got the ones which we're going to keep and the ones we're going to change. So I'm basically left with 11 items that are going to get redone and I'm going to do that. And I'm um, going to take on 10 people and take them personally through a process of creating their own list as I do it too, because we're all the same. Um, so that's going to be an interesting experience. So, right, to answer your question, why haven't I done them? Because I have, I've been focused on other people, um, which sounds glorious, but it isn't the right, you know, I've made the mistake of only focus. And, and which one of the remaining 11 uh, 
scares you or you just think it's going to be really hard to tip? Oh, I mean, heaps. Uh, I, you know, I want to do an Olympic ski jump. I, I can't ski. <laughs> I thought it'd be that way. Yeah, <laughs> there's a, a tower jump in Vanuatu that you've, you've probably seen where as a rite of passage, they'll create a bamboo platform high up in the air. You tie a vine around your leg and dive out onto a dirt hill. Dangerous again. It kind of excites me though. I'm not going to lie. Um, catching a thief is on there. That's tricky too. Uh, yeah, so they're all pretty challenging. Um, what's on your list? Wow. Hey, you've just stumped the bloke who loves to loves to talk. Uh, that's another conversation. Um, I did do a list, um, but it fell to pieces for a reason, which I'll share with you off the air. And um, right now I don't have a list. And I think, again, that's what appealed to me about you is, is what you, you, you're doing. I think it's, it's just an awesome business. It's a business that I, along with another million people, wish they'd created, I, I think, um, because – and I'm a bit embarrassed to say I don't have a list. Um, I'm sure – if you give yourself a moment, you know, you, we all have those little goals, don't we? I did start a list and it became too much of a travel list. And I don't think this is about travel. I know that travel is often on people's lists, but I think it's much greater than that, you know. And so, uh, but a conversation for another time, buddy. In fact, I would love to get you back on in a year to see just how far you've progressed now that Todd's on board and you've got Jess from New York offering up some marketing advice and um, who knows what, what, what we might be doing together because because I just want to keep helping you spread the word. I so appreciate it. I really do. Love, lovely chatting to you. And by the way, for the amount of podcasts that, that I do, and I'm sure you do as well, um, you're so great at it. Uh, you know, you thank you for being so good at asking questions and, and being a great interviewer. Oh, mate. Well, thank you. That's that's lovely to hear. And I'll be using that as a testimonial on the homepage of the website. <laughs> hey, Seb, you're an awesome bloke. 100things.com is where you will find them. .com.au, 100things.com is where you can find out all about what Seb's got going on. There's some awesome videos and, and all that kind of stuff as well. And subscribe. I just bought the domain.com. I've been .com.au for 10 years. <laughs> and then I finally just Googled the guy who owned it and uh, had to give him $2,000 for that. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Two thousand dollars second on on the secondary market for a domain like that's pretty good, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad to see Toddy's whipping you into shape. We all need a Todd. Oh, mate, absolutely. Seb, thanks, brother. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks so much, Tim. You're the best. Wow, we. That is all I've got to say. I was so excited to bring you that story, and personally, personally, it lived up to every expectation I'd set for it. That was Sebastian Terry of 100things.com. I'd encourage you to go and have a look, subscribe to his podcast, watch his videos. It's just feel-good stuff in these pretty troubled times, right? Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Sebastian. Attention grabber number one, stop for just a moment and acknowledge just how capable you really are. What a great learning. I'm certainly going to do that. Get rid of all the self-doubts, get rid of all the limiting beliefs and just acknowledge some of the achievements that I've made and I'd love you to do the same because I reckon you're better than you think you are. Attention grabber number two, ask how you can be of service and I'm sure amazing things will happen. I think as business owners, we can get into a bit of a take, take, take mindset, a bit of a push, 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 you know, buy from me, give me the deal type mindset, flip it. Be of service. How can you be of service to your customers, to your clients? My book, The Boomerang Effect, is all about this. The boomerang effect being the more effort and the more helpful you are in your marketing, 
it will return multiples. And some of those multiples won't just be more customers. It'll be amazing things that happen in your life. Attention grabber number three, where are you unhappy in your business? Ask yourself that question and then identify all those areas and do something about making you happy in that part of the business. That's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, please be sure to block out some time in your very, very busy diary and implement them. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Oh, yes, indeedly, doodly, it's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is longtime listener Ben Mignatoli of Geelong Cable Locations. Well done, Benny. Now, as a longtime listener, I've got to know you, Ben, and you are prone to writing many, many words, which I love you for, but I've had to get this email down to. Well, it's still a few words. He says, Timbo, Timbo, Timbo. What is the one takeaway I have got from the show? Video marketing would be one of the biggest things. Before I started listening 10 years ago, I wasn't doing any. As I've listened throughout the years, I've learned that even though I have a tiny niche in locating cables underground and a very unique business, video marketing might actually suit what we do. I've learned that even though, I, and I love this, I have a face for radio, have the vocabulary of a grade schooler, and I um and ah a lot when trying to get a message out, I'm still allowed to be in front of the camera and it's okay to just be myself. Ben, it's one of the greatest realizations I think you've had in your marketing. I've met you a couple of times, brother. I know that face you're talking about. (laughs) No, that's not true. I know you can um and ah, but you have overcome that, mate, and you are doing some great stuff. He goes on to say, to date, even though we are very niche, how's this? Our YouTube channel has over 5,000 hours of watch time. We have videos on Facebook and LinkedIn that are made just for those platforms. We have private videos in which we walk customers through some of the most common questions we get. On top of that, I post stories on Instagram throughout the day, which generally contain 30 to 40 videos showing that what we're up to, stuff like who we are working for, what we are trying to achieve, and then what we manage to do for them. Pretty much daily vlogging every single day of the year. This is amazing. Like Ben has a business called Geelong Cable Locations. It's like... Many business owners would look at that and go, you couldn't do that much video just with that, but he is, and he's getting results. This has resulted in me being well-known within my industry throughout Australia and overseas. For customers, it results in much higher conversion rate and helps build the trust factor so they can be assured we know what we are doing. And for tradies that follow us on Instagram, this builds a great community who give us many leads. Timbo, I don't think you will ever know how much a difference you have single-handedly made to the business community of Australia, but I hope one day it does get formally recognised with an order of Australia. (laughs) No, I added that last bit about the order of Australia. Ben, thanks, buddy. Uh, You're a winner. As a result of listening and implementing, you get a range of liars' spirits valued at over 100 bucks, a copy of Jamie Mustard's book, The Iconist, um, Flora and Fauna and Tradies Vouchers, a Bonjoro licence, Mr Lee's Noodles, promotion on this show, and a backlink in the show notes. Everyone else, 
Let me know what you're up to from a marketing point of view, what you've implemented, what impact it's had on your business. Tim at timreed.com.au is where you'll send that. And if I read it out on air, you win. Well, how'd you enjoy all that? I'd love to know. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 505 and let me know. But don't fear, there is plenty more where this came from on the Podcast One Australia app. Plus, you'll find my entire archive of episodes and blog posts over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Next time, you and I are going to catch up with personal trainer Jason Clark, who borrowed a lazy $400,000 off his parents to start a new business, only to lose it all. Fortunately, Jason rose from the ashes and now has a very nice little business turning over a million bucks a year. All in the space of about five years, he's done that. If you're getting value from listening, then please let other business owners know about the Small Business Big Marketing Podcast, which is presented by me, Timbo Reid, and skillfully put together by the Erudite team at Podcast One Australia. Until next time, thank you so much for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. Take action.